Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Well, good morning, everybody. It is uh, good to see everybody here today. For those that are watching online, we are glad that you're joining us today as well. Be sure to connect with us and engage with us in the chat. We would love to hear from you throughout the duration of our service today. As Pastor Chris said, uh, I'm Chris Jones, and I have been blessed with the opportunity to be our church's outreach pastor. And it's always a privilege and an honor to share the message here at Coastal. And I've tried to make a commitment every time the Lord has blessed me with an opportunity to speak, to say a couple of things. And the first thing is this. I am grateful for our church and what it has been blessed to do, not only on Sundays, but throughout the week and even out into our community. We are truly friends making an impact. And second is this, I am genuinely grateful for our pastors and our staff and for all of you who call Coastal home. We are without a doubt, friends, a very blessed church. And for that, I give thanks to God. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And so today we're going to continue with part four of this sermon series, Bridges. And I hope you have found the messages from my fellow pastors over these past few weeks to be both encouraging and helpful. And I'd like to think that this week is an appeal of sorts. And I'd like to think of it as an appeal from heaven to both you and to I. And if you brought anything with you today that has troubled you, whether it be a painful past mistakes that have continued to plague you, whether it be the scars of previous relational hurts, whether you come today troubled by everything that you see in the world around you, then this appeal is for you. But first, a story. There was a family of boys, and they were your typical family. These youngsters were rambunctious. They were full of life and energy. And these young fellows, they were always into something. And if all was quiet in the house... Surely that silence meant trouble. And these boys in their young ages, they were the masters of shenanigans. On occasion, the younger brother would seek out these hiding places around the house and lie in wait for an unsuspecting older brother to come by. And then the younger would spring forth and then bounce on his prey while the unsuspecting older brother would let out a shrill of panic as he was startled by his younger brother's latest ambush. Well, one day, the younger decided to lie in wait in a hallway closet. Oh, the excitement was nearly too much for him to contain as he was thinking he was going to be able to ambush yet again his older brother. But unbeknownst to the younger, the older observed the younger climb into the closet and close the door behind him, leaving just a sliver in order for him to keep watch out. The older brother sneaks into the dining room and secures one of the dining room chairs and makes his way around the hallway opposite of the, sl- the crack where the younger brother was keeping watched out. And then in one quick moment, he pushes the door shut and puts his foot down there at the bottom of the door, closing the door behind him and tells his younger brother, you're locked in now. He tells his little brother, you're trapped. There's no getting out. All the while, he's trying to take that chair and wedge it underneath the knob to try to secure it in place. He fights the chair, but it simply won't fit. But he fights on just a little bit longer. After several moments of fighting this chair and not being able to get it to where it needs to go to wedge it in place, he relents. But not before fooling his younger brother by saying, I've got the chair wedged under the doorknob. You are trapped in this closet forever. And he walks away. 
The younger pleads with the older at this point. He cries out, begging to be set free. He begins to cry as terror begins to take hold of him. The younger starts to think, how will I survive this? In his mind, this closet is going to run out of air to breathe. And if that doesn't do him in, then the starvation will. He loses hope and he begins to sob. And complete anguish begins to overwhelm him as he formulates these thoughts of being murdered by the hands of his own brother and death by asphyxiation in the family's hallway closet. The older grows tired of hearing the younger's cries and sobs. And so he walks over and he turns the knob and he lets the younger brother out. You see, the closet was never locked. The younger simply never tried to turn the knob to discover the freedom that was there all along. Now you hear that story, you might think, well, that's kind of a silly story, Chris. And some might even be wondering, what on earth does that have to do with anything? Well, I'd be willing to wager with great certainty that there are prisoners here in this room right now today, and even those who are watching online right now who are living their lives in prison cells in which the doors have already been unlocked. Some might be thinking, well, Chris, that's rather presumptuous of you. How do you know that to be true? I think it's true simply because I've been a prisoner in an unlocked cell too. It's why this message is an appeal from heaven to us. Make no mistake, God has chosen to reconcile us through his son, Jesus Christ. Be reminded and strengthened of this today. Jesus did in fact live a sinless life, a sinless life and he went to the cross to die for the sins of the world. And he died so that you and I could be reconciled and set free. You see, Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation. Friends, Jesus has indeed conquered sin, death, and the grave. And he loves you and I in a way that we simply cannot fathom. And you might be wondering, how much exactly does Jesus love someone like me? Well, know this, nothing is hidden from his sight. And while this may seem troubling to us, Jesus has seen us at our absolute worst. Seen the worst of you and me and the stuff that we hope no one ever, ever finds out about. And in spite of all that, he was still willing to die for us. You see, Coastal, Jesus was and is willing to bridge the gap. And he wants to be our bridge of reconciliation. He sees where we are and all that we've done, the good, the bad, and the ugly, while also seeing what we were created to be. And he's willing to be our bridge over the great chasm that separates who we are from what God the Father meant for us to be. So what are some of the ways Jesus brings about reconciliation? Well, the first is this. Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation for our past mistakes. In John chapter 21, we're going to explore an encounter with Jesus with several of the disciples to include Peter. And for the sake of a little context, so where we'll spend the bulk of our time together today, Jesus has already been wrongfully accused. He's already been tried and convicted for sins he did not commit. He's already been beaten beyond recognition, crucified and died, having laid in a tomb for three days and has been resurrected. In fact, where we are going to be in the scriptures today, this is his third post-resurrection encounter with his disciples. So let's read together. I'll start in John chapter 21, verses four. And it says this, just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. 
And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And that disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. And then the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. In verse 12, it says, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. And now none of the disciples dare ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. So here is Jesus He's standing on the shore to engage the disciples who in fear, mind you, had previously scattered into the night on the evening of his arrest. And then here is Peter who was once bold saying he would never deny Jesus at one time boldly proclaiming that he would gladly lay down his life for him. Now having denied him not once, but three times. And these men who had not only scattered into the night and had denied Jesus, but had left everything that Jesus had taught them and everything that they had witnessed to return to their old life of fishing. So why was Jesus there? You see, friends, Jesus knew before his death that these men would make the tragic mistake of scattering into the night and abandoning him. He knew the mistake Peter would make by denying him while he warmed his hands over a charcoal fire immediately after his arrest. And Jesus is on the shore in these early morning hours simply because he is the bridge to reconciliation. He is there to take Peter right back to the place where he departed in sin and reconcile him back to the place of reconciliation and forgiveness. Yes, Peter had denied the Lord three times. He knows he was unfaithful to Jesus. Peter, having the privilege of even being in Jesus's inner circle, had abandoned him and denied him, perhaps in the Lord's greatest hour of need. But in spite of all that, Jesus refuses to leave Peter in a prison cell for which Jesus had given his own life to unlock the door for him. He is on the shore to be the bridge of reconciliation for Peter's past mistakes. You might be wondering, well, Chris, that was a long time ago. I understand what you're saying. It's a great story. But where's the application to my life? Well, allow me to answer a question with a question. And that is this. Are we living in unlocked prison cells because of our past mistakes? We think about the things that we've said we wish we could have taken back. The things that we put our hand to knowing that they didn't honor God. The times in which we've been dishonest. The times in which we've hurt those we love. The substances we've abused. And for some, we look back upon a painful past and we think there is no way to come back after doing this or after doing that. We know the thing or things because they always have a way of rearing their ugly heads just at the point where we think things are going to turn around for us. And we hear the whispers of a very real enemy reminding us relentlessly of our failures. And we think that God cannot use us because of our past mistakes. We think that we will never have healthy relationships because of our past relational failures. And we begin to assign names to ourselves like failure and cheater and drunkard, and addict, and not good enough, 
damaged goods, not smart enough. And friends, the self-inflicted name-calling goes on and on and on. The question is, what names have you applied to yourself just in your thoughts over the past week? Allow me for a moment to borrow a thought from Pastor Scott's great message from last week. And it's so important for us to not only hear it clearly, but to allow it to soak in and then to apply it to our lives. And that is this. Your identity is not your past failures. I'm going to say it again. Your identity is not your past failures. You see, Jesus stood on the shore to reconcile the disciples and specifically Peter for his past mistakes. And he stands on the shore for us today to do the exact same thing. And there is nothing that we have ever done that Jesus has not already paid in full for which you and I cannot be reconciled in complete forgiveness. But we have to make a choice. You see, there is no middle ground. There's no one foot in and one foot out. We have to make a choice. And that is, will we remain in prison, in our unlocked cells of guilt for our past mistakes, or will we choose to walk across the bridge of reconciliation that Jesus, by way of his blood and death on the cross, provides? Today, we have to make a choice. Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation for our past mistakes. And then there is this. Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation for the troubles we face. Remember, these disciples, they had seen so much, while at the same time had endured much also. To the disciples, Jesus was their only hope. Jesus was the answer to everything that troubled them. And they longed for the day in which Israel God's chosen people would break the bonds of Roman oppression and rule. Yet Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night and hauled away like a common criminal. They knew he was beaten beyond recognition and hung on the cross where he had died. And these disciples had left behind families and livelihoods for a hope that had bled and died seemingly shamefully and pointlessly on a Roman cross. And not only were they grieving but they were also fearful, fearful that the same thing that had happened to Jesus was also going to happen to them. But Jesus meets them on the shore to remind them that in the same way he provided for them in the very, very beginning, he would provide for them in the future in spite of every painful thing they had experienced. In spite of the pain of their past, Jesus would provide for them. He would demonstrate his provision in a very practical way in a very tangible way, in a way that was not only easy for these disciples to understand, but also for us as we sit here and listen to this message so many centuries later. I want to take us back in time a little bit to Jesus before his death and resurrection, where he would be teaching from the crowds from one of Peter's boats. Mind you, as a reminder, before Peter was a follower and disciple of Jesus, he was a fisherman by trade. And so they are on the Sea of Galilee. Let's look at Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 3. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he, this is Jesus, asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, 
We toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let the nets down. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. These men had been toiling all night, catching no fish. Then at the command of Jesus, letting down their nets and then hauling in more fish than those nets could handle. Seems like something we've already heard this morning, right? Look again back at Luke chapter 21, verses five and six. It says, Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast a net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. And so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Life is full of past pain and hurts. People are going to hurt us. Sickness will at times overtake us. We will all experience the pain of death in those we love, even at some point taking a turn ourselves. We will feel the pains of injustice in this life, a world where it feels like the wicked gets away with everything, a society in which evil seemingly rules the day. Days where you and I will feel as if we've taken all that we can handle. The weight of life's, life's miseries, miseries and pain we've already endured enough to make us want to just simply give up and then walk away. But allow me to remind you of this this morning. In those seasons of pain and trouble, we will find Jesus. And Jesus met those disciples in the, at the very beginning and he provided for them as he broke their nets in hauling in the fish that he provided. And even in the woes of trouble, failure, and despair, Jesus met those disciples right where they are. And he provided for them again by filling their nets to the point where they couldn't haul the catch in. And in our troubles, whatever those troubles might be, Jesus stands ready to provide for you today in the same way he provided for you yesterday. And rest assured, he will provide for you again tomorrow. Why? Because Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation. So friends, will we remain in an unlocked prison cell, paralyzed by everything that's pressing in all us, on us, all the pain and hurts that we face every day, worries about relationships, worries about finances, worries about our health, worries about every person who has done unjustly by us, worries about everything that we're seeing on the news and what's out there on social media, or Will we accept Jesus' invitation to breakfast by crossing the bridge of reconciliation? Will we allow him, in spite of all of our troubles, to provide everything we need? Reconciling every trouble we have faced and facing and will face in the seasons ahead. Friends, will it be an unlocked cell or a walk across a bridge that Jesus provides? It's a choice. So Jesus is the bridge of reconciliation for our past mistakes. Jesus is the bridge of reconciliation for all that troubles us. And then there's also this. Jesus is the bridge to reconciliation that puts us on mission for him. You see, Peter in his heart knows he has failed Jesus. He remembers everything that he has seen, every miracle, every healing, demons being cast out, even those that Jesus has raised from the dead. And Peter has seen and he's experienced so much, but he also knows the pain of assuming hope is gone. He knows the sting of fear, of wondering if the same fate of Jesus would become his own. The failure of denying 
only to come to terms with the fact that Jesus, although he had died, was resurrected just as he said he would. Peter now assuming that too much had happened. Too many mistakes have now been made. Peter perhaps thinking with a past like mine, I can no longer be used for kingdom work. So he returns to his life before Jesus. He goes back to fishing. Let's look at John chapter 21, verse 15 through 17. The scriptures say, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon, Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So we already know, as we've already talked about, Peter has denied Jesus three times. But here is Jesus asking Peter three times, do you love me? The response back to Jesus is three times, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. And Jesus' response back to Peter, get back to the kingdom work from which I've called you. You see, Jesus had called Peter from fishing for fish to fishing for men. Jesus is saying to Peter, yes, you've made mistakes, but your identity is not in them. Yes, you've experienced pain and hardship and trouble, but even they, Peter, are not your identity. Your identity, Peter, is who you are in me, says Jesus, and in the work I have given you to do. Now it is time to feed the lambs and to tend the sheep. In other words, it's time to care for and feed my people so that they too, Peter, can experience what you've been blessed to experience in me. And Coastal, the same thing goes for us. The same thing applies to us. Jesus offers the bridge of reconciliation to not help us to overcome our past mistakes and trouble, but allow us to be about the work that we've all been called to do so that others can see and experience the life and love of Jesus, not just here in Charleston, but all over the world. We're not, we not only see Jesus modeling here in the scriptures today, but we also see it modeled here in the church. Let me provide you with a very personal and real example Several weeks ago, I was asked in the staff meeting to do the announcements. And I had done it several times in the past, so for me, it wasn't a very big deal. The morning of, I felt good. It was a busy morning, but nonetheless, I felt, I felt okay. And in the first service, I walked up those steps, as I had done many, many times before, and came up on stage, and everything started out perfectly fine. But out of nowhere, about 20 seconds into it, I, should, I would think, my heart began to race in my chest and my pulse began to quicken and my voice even began to quiver while I was up here trying to get through the announcements. And at one point, my brain completely shut down. I lost my train of thought. I couldn't rebound. I froze and truth be told, I was mortified. You would be too, right? If you're here trying to do the announcements and you've got a couple hundred people in front of you and then an equally number amount of people watching online, you'd be mortified too, right? But somehow, I got through it. But that event triggered a chain reaction in my spirit. 
This one failure, the trauma of this one event allowed a deluge of past failures and heartaches to come flooding in. As the enemy began to do what he always does, begin to whisper the lies into my ear. Even at one point thinking, man, maybe this isn't for me. Maybe I too need to return to fishing. But thank God for PC, the rest of the staff, and for close friends during this season. You see, PC could have easily said, somebody else is doing the announcements in the second service. Chris Jones obviously can't handle the task, but he didn't. The second service, he had me march right back up these steps to do it again. And a couple of weeks later, again. And then a couple of weeks later that, again. But why would PC choose to take the risk? After all, there are others with the proven ability on our staff who can handle the announcements. Well, I like to believe it's because PC acknowledges that we all make mistakes. And at times we all screw things up. But they don't define who we are or whose we belong to. I believe our pastor recognizes while we all have painful experiences that will at times push us to the point to where we want to give up, he also sees that Jesus has called us to work in spite of all that stuff. The point is this, Coastal, Jesus is the son of God. He could have decided that Peter was a washout. Jesus could have allowed Peter to be the sum of his failures, disqualified, written off. Jesus could have found someone else. Jesus could have chosen not to restore Peter. Jesus could have allowed Peter to assume the identity of his past mistakes. Peter the denier, Peter the coward, Peter the failure. And even Peter himself could have very well made the choice. I failed Jesus. I can't go back. It was too much, too high a price to pay. But Jesus stood on the shore and said, come to breakfast. And then Jesus would say to Peter, do you love me? Then get back to work. What about us? Will we choose to remain in an unlocked prison cell and not do what God has called us to? Or we choose to walk across the bridge of reconciliation that Jesus provides? Friends, people are sick, they are troubled, they are pressed on every side and even dying right now without knowing Jesus. And they're in our families, they're in our workplaces, and they're certainly all over our community. And Coastal Jesus has reconciled us from our past mistakes. Jesus has reconciled us from our past hurts and he has reconciled us to work. And will we be a church who in spite of failures and hurts be about the business of kingdom work? There are endless ways to labor here at Coastal. As Pastor Chris shared in the announcements, we are kicking off Summer of Impact. We like to call it the Super Bowl of Outreach at Coastal with over 30 projects and opportunities for you to sign up and serve. You can sign up right now for one or more projects. And if you're like me and you can't wait till June, you can come out next Saturday for Saturday Serve. We meet at 8.30 in that Welcome Center. You'll hear from some great project leaders, over a half dozen projects. You hear those pitches, choose the project you want to serve on, and you head out and serve. We've been doing Saturday Serve for five years. Great opportunities to work. But the bottom line is Jesus has reconciled us to work. And working is really the essence of what our church is all about. But we have to make a choice. And rest assured, we'll make it again tomorrow. And we'll have to make it again the next day. And the next day, and that is Will we remain in an unlocked prison cell, prisoners of past failures, prisoners of past hurts, prisoners of those who have hurt us, or will we take a stroll across the bridge of reconciliation, a bridge provided to us by Jesus, by the work of the, that was done on the cross and the blood shed for you and me? I really love John chapter 8 and verse 36. It says this, 
Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. We have been set free, but we have to make a choice. Freedom in Christ or a life sentence in circumstances. I can't make the choice for you. Your family and friends cannot make the choice for you. And as Pastor Ryan shared in his great message a couple of weeks ago, it's not about the religion, it's about the relationship. So if you have Christ, you are free, but you have to choose to live in freedom. You have to choose. And you have to choose to walk across the bridge. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, uh, just for today and just your presence being with us and helping us, Lord, and just blessing us, Father. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can have freedom to be reconciled to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that we are not bound up, Lord, by circumstances. We're not bound up, Lord, by uh, our past mistakes, the circumstances that we face in life. But that, Lord, you have reconciled us to yourself, Lord, through the work that was done on the cross. And our prayer, Lord, is that if there would be any, Lord, who are watching online or even those, Father, who are here in person, Lord, that, Lord, they would choose to live in freedom in you and, not a, and no longer, Lord, just be subjected, Lord, to an unlocked prison cell. And, Lord, we know that that requires relationship with you. To be reconciled with you requires salvation. And so, Lord, we pray for those today who might be hearing this message who have been bound up by circumstances, who have been bound up by trouble, who have been bound up by past pain and by you know, things and people who, are, who have hurt them, Lord, that they would choose you today. We pray that it would pray something like this, Father, I have tried my own way and I have failed. My way doesn't seem to work. And so, Lord, today, right now, I choose you. I accept, Lord, the work that you've done on the cross on my behalf that, Lord, I might receive eternal life in you. Set my feet, Lord, back on the path, Lord, that would allow me, Lord, to live out and to be and to do everything that you have called me to do in my life. And that, Lord, those chains, Lord, which have been applied to my, uh, to my spirit, Lord, would fall away as you have set me free, Lord, from all the troubles of this world. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for just blessing us as a church. We thank you, Lord, for blessing each and every one of us, Lord. We thank you for the presence of your spirit. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.